Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Happy snow day, everybody. What's yeah, going on, Ben? I made it. You did make it. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm done with work. My <laughs> hardest work that I'm going to do today, I've absolutely already done. You shoveled this morning. I did. Not all of us have driveways, Jake. Jake, you have a driveway? I Other did Jake? shovel this morning, actually. You shoveled? At 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. That was worse than what I had to do. We live in Utah. Correct. People get a snowblower. Hatch. I actually don't have that big of a driveway, though. I need to get one probably at some point, but I'll probably I, inherit see, one. I, I Hatch needs to do it because of his his shift. You Correct. Can't, you can't spend all morning. You know, what are you going to do? Get up at 2 instead of 3? You're also waking up the neighbors, though, when you fire up the uh, snow. Hey, that's their problem. The Is it? Yes. That they exist on normal hours? That, hey, that's you, the thing. When I, you've you, got to clear the driveway, you've got to clear the driveway. That's, that's a them problem. I cleared it in 15 minutes. Like it was real quick for me. All right. Well, you and Ben. I have a snowblower. I just didn't get it out. But mine's electric, which is ridiculous. You have an electric. I have one. an electric one. All right. See, uh, my dad has an electric one, but he at least has a battery. You have to drag the. Cord yeah, I should with get a you? rechargeable one. Yeah, rechargeable is different. I have a huge cord that I have to, and then believe it or not, extension cords freeze solid. You know, like they are so hard oh, yeah. to work with. Oh, yeah. And then because my walkway is just a little bit winding like there's a sidewalk out to my driveway and then i've got to go back the other direction to get the actual sidewalk it, it doesn't make any sense like the cord gets pulled out every single time so so true story my father-in-law he has a atv like he has a little plow that he puts yeah. on the front of it. he swears if he ever puts that plow on it doesn't snow for weeks yeah and whenever he takes it off it snows. We yeah. didn't have to use it last year. I didn't have to use yeah. the 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 snowblower last year, so I didn't even get it out this year. See, I need I need to be on the same block as ATV guy. Yeah, I I do because you know if you are going to get out there and and uh, so my father in law does for his neighbors, you know, push the snow off the driveway. I've got to imagine it's pretty fun, and I've got to imagine you actually want to do more. And so would gladly clear all Certainly your neighbors' driveways? Certainly not just doing your one, you know, 20-foot walk yeah, with yeah. your 4x4. Four four. Like, I, I got this ATV. four-wheeler out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to work. I've ridden on that ATV pushing snow. It is a hell of a ride. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it seems like a blast. So all of a sudden you do every driveway in the neighborhood, you know, you do a good service and you have a good time doing it. I need to get on the same block as ATV guy. I think, we need a, I think we've got an idea for a show sponsor. We'll call up Scott and we'll tell him what we want to sponsor. And we'll see if we can get hooked up with some ATV. TV. Hey, Carl Malone's doing the ATV thing Let's up in Heber these days. Let's do it. Let's jump on that. It's a built-in. It is a built-in. Uh, all right. Well, we hope everybody's doing uh, doing all I right. I hope I'm staying snow. home. I, my mom texted me and said, here, I'll read you the text my mom sent me this morning. I don't know if she's mad at me or what was going on. Uh, she said this. She said, uh, do you have to go into work today? I said, I do. And she said, Good. <laughs> 
Good. <laughs> you mad at me? <laughs> good. Uh, good. Right. I just left a question mark with it. Okay. All right. Just didn't think I worked hard enough, apparently. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Teach you something. I'll tell you what, I had to gun it to get out of the old driveway, but uh, I thought I thought the plows were pretty on it. I mean, the, the commute no. could have been uh, could have been far worse. Can I can I complain about something, Ben? That I often do when it snows, but I feel like it needs to be brought up. Let's do it. Listen, if the plow has gone by your street already, mm-hmm. and you are clearing your driveway, do not throw the snow onto the street. Straight back into the middle of the road. Throw the snow off to the side. Off to the side where it's been plowed. If if the plow hasn't been by. Knock yourself out. Plow all that driveway snow right into the road because the plow is going to take care of it or whatever, right? But if if the plow has already been by, do not throw it onto the road because then you're driving on a perfectly plowed road and all of a sudden you hit a mound of snow. It's dangerous. And then it, it's in a pile so it doesn't disappear for a week. Just throw it off to the side. Yep. Yeah. You know, right. Most, it just makes ice in the middle. Most snowblowers, Ben. I don't want to speak for your electric Mine does. Mine rotates. Boys. Yes, Mine they rotates. have rotating yep. things. It's Mine's a not. piece of crap, but it's not that bad. It's, you know, modern engineering has solved this for yep. us. You don't need to throw it into the middle of the road. Please don't. Anyways. All right. We got a big show today. We do. We, we have a jazz game tonight. We have a jazz game tonight. Today's National Letter of Intent Day, which is for a lot of fans. I think it's kind of like the Christmas day of the offseason if you're a high school football fan or a college football fan. Uh, it's really fun to watch. It's fun to see uh, what all these uh, schools are doing. How important is it anymore, Ben? We can get into this uh, throughout the show. But with Transfer Portal and there's another signing day and... I mean, how important is, you know, freshmen are becoming less and less important in the modern college game. It certainly doesn't detail where they're going to end their career, but you do want to have the kid come in and almost play right away. I mean, these freshmen are almost, I mean, it's like a rookie quarterback now in the NFL. The expectation for these guys to come in and at least see the field in some way so they don't automatically transfer if they don't get on the field is actually a little bit higher. So it seems like some of these kids, even if they're not college ready, have to get on the field. And, and, you know, this is the same thing the NBA has been dealing with with for a long time, which is with their one-and-done rule, you're getting worse players entering the league after one season of college. And these college kids, yes, they're playing as freshmen, but they're certainly not as good as, you know, the Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Duke teams of the 2000s, or the the 1990s, excuse me, that had all these NBA-ready guys that could come in, you know, nearly in all-star shape when they get to the NBA. Uh, College football is doing the same thing. You're having to play guys that aren't quite ready. And then the next group of players that, that, you know, are ready to go, they've got to make sure that they still have jobs and are able to get as many snaps or as reps as they they would you they used to excuse me because these younger guys are coming in and getting reps just so they won't transfer you know it's just they're having to get shared more these reps that are you know hard to get are having to get shared a little bit more among you old younger and older players just to keep everybody happy so these freshmen do have to play so it, it'll be interesting you know like I fully expect Utah's Lander Barton who they got who's a Barton kid yep. uh, he's going to play next year he has to play next year because you can't risk losing him whether he's the fourth or fifth best linebacker on the team, he's got to see the field next year. Which is why, you know, a lot of people were frustrated about the whole Jack Tuttle thing, right? That that Correct. he could have gotten in at the end of the game or something uh, to keep him happy, and then he ends up bouncing. And, and maybe for reasons, you know, there's always rumors out there and that sort of thing. But, uh, and not to, to rain on the signing day parade, but another reason why it's not my favorite day, Ben. I get it that it's a lot of people's favorite day, but I, I don't like the the evaluating system. Sure. The, four stars, the, three four stars. stars. Yeah. I don't like any of that because, for one, if you're being recruited by Ohio State, Ben, you could be recruited by Ohio State right now. Yeah. 35-year-old Ben Anderson, but you got an offer from Ryan Day. Yeah. You're automatically a four-star. Correct. Not because you're any good at football, but because someone at Ohio State thought, for some reason, they want to offer you a scholarship. But the flip side it's of that like coin... It's like extraordinarily flawed. The flip side of that coin is you have kids who aren't getting offered by anyone that are three stars. You're like, is he? No one wants him. <laughs> None of the coaches want this kid to come play at their school, and he's a three-star kid, right. or he's a four-star kid, he's got two offers. Like, there, I think that, that, that goes both directions. That's a double-edged sword, sure. because you're right. If you get an offer from Alabama... I mean, Dion Lake is a guy we've talked about recently. Yeah. Got an offer to Alabama randomly, kind of got bumped up to a four-star, ended up at BYU, and was a good player. You know, he played. So, yeah, that's fine. He's a four-star. But, like, he kind of seemed to get that extra boost because Alabama at one point had paid attention to him. And since nobody really knows what they're talking about when it comes to evaluating, because it's such a 
in exact science, I guess, to yep. project and evaluate and how one player will do it the other, that, that there's people that just go along with it, right? And all of a sudden, if you're getting recruited by all Mountain West teams and you can get all of a sudden Washington State to offer you, then all of a sudden you're a Pac-12 recruit yes. and all these other schools oh, are like, that, oh, oh, goodness, we, bought it. we ought to be offering this guy. Jake, you know we had uh, Norm Chow on with DJ and yeah. for years. He said when he was at USC, anytime those recruiting services saw that USC had interest in a kid, it was an immediate bump up and at least a star. Yeah. At least. Right. At least. Because honestly, nobody knows what they're doing except for a select few, and this is why certain college programs see Utah and BYU for that matter. Yeah. Uh, why they succeed is because they're really good at it. You know who's not necessarily good at it? The blogger that covers Oregon State. Yeah. It's tough. It's such a flawed system. And then we point at like Ohio State and go, oh, they're the best recruiting school in the country. It's like, well, are they? They might be. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. That's why this is the most important day or, or one of them now that there are several in any college programs year. Yeah. But I still have a tough time with the day itself because there's there's no conclusions that you can come to. There's, you know, and people get excited for no reason, which I think is what makes it fun. It's the reason I love the NBA draft. It's still a guess every time. Every player is still ultimately you're hoping that they pan out. And there's absolutely no guarantee. Now, you can improve your odds if you're saying, hey, we're getting a guy who we think is really talented, and you know we've seen what we can do in college. We're going to draft him because we think that should translate to what we do. But obviously, you can look back at, you know, we were talking about the Rudy Gay draft yesterday, 2006. Number one pick was Andrea Bargnani. Okay, he was never any good. He was great in Italy. Never any good anywhere else. Never was good in the NBA. I mean, he had a couple of okay seasons. But LaMarcus Aldridge was number two, was going to the Hall of Fame. Rajon Rondo was 20, is going to the Hall of Fame. Right. Kyle Lowry was 23, is going to the Hall of Fame. Rudy Gay, who was a five-star kid coming out of high school, going to UConn, ended up playing two seasons at UConn, is the only one on that list that didn't make an all-star team. You know, like, it's very good, though. 16 years later, $150 million in his bank account. Like, great career. Never ended up being what his stars said he was. But I do think that is the fun part. I mean, we are still just hoping... Whatever this player is, whoever you are, a BYU fan, Utah fan, Utah State fan, that Carson Tabarachi, is that the kid from Park City? You hope that that kid is the next Chase Hansen. Because he, what, he played quarterback at, did he play quarterback and linebacker at? He's played a myriad of different Yeah, I mean, he's that guy. He's the most athletic kid at his school, so they give him the ball and they say, you play everything and you're going to make plays for you. And that's kind of what Utah now has to do with him. I do think that is the fun part of it. My... I love it when people out there, and I want to run this by Hatch because he's covered recruiting at BYU for a long time. love it when people drag BYU specifically for recruiting rankings, which is so stupid for a variety of reasons. One, none of those recruits are going to see the field for three years. Two, Correct. most of the recruits that BYU signs have signed with BYU since they were 12 and thus don't leave open the opportunity yeah. for Ohio State to come in and recruit them. So then all of a sudden the evaluators go, well, pff, what if BYU's their only offer? Well, chuck them down a star. You, you know want, what I mean? You it's want like evidence of this that was sure. admitted by a player that's currently playing at BYU? Yeah. Chaz Ayu, of course, standout defensive back slash linebacker for BYU. Four-star prospect. He uh, allegedly, and this is him talking about this after the fact, had committed to BYU for seemingly years. But the coaching staff told him to keep it quiet and to play up him getting interest from. He had Michigan at one point. Sure. Said, on the very specific purpose of making sure that his profile was raised and these other programs always getting interest from this school and this school. Right. And it helped raise the profile for BYU. Yeah. Which, which think how stupid that, right. that line of thinking is. It, it right. is. Not, but, not, not but they're stupid they're, like they're stupid. Stupid like, why, why is that necessary? Why do you have to play this yeah. game? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, you know, so fans out there get wrapped up in it, and I get it, but we have no idea. And we'll break like, down the what players. What a great class. We'll, ah. talk about, we'll talk about the players today, and you can find them all at kslsports.com. It really is a great place to go. You can see the tracker for BYU and Utah, who's signing, who's flipped late day. And that is the fun part also. Like, this kid, Keith Olson, 
just flipped from USC, had offers to Oregon State, and then today, I guess last night, he decided he wanted to go to Utah. 6'6", 305, he's a left tackle. Like, good, you got yourself a tackle. Hopefully he's the next Bama Deliolisani or whoever your favorite left tackle is in Utah football history. Like, that's awesome. And then you got Tyler Knack, so that's a kid from Brighton High School. Like, good, you've got a Brighton couple of Bengal. options now. Yeah, you've got a couple of guys in the system. And I do think that is the fun part. So I'm, I'm very pro-signing day. I like that it's chaos. And then, Jake, I think you and I both feel this way. Like, it, you and I both really like being on college campuses. Yeah. Just there's like an energy on campus. There's an excitement about kids trying to better themselves that you and I both like. I do like that this is the start of these kids' lives. Like, this is a very exciting day for their families, these kids. And some of these kids, this is their first step towards making millions of dollars. So that's, a, that's another fun part of it. And it's fun to track. Uh, are, you, uh, are you a fan of the hat ceremony? Not great. Did you see the guy today who didn't? Announced, he went up as like a big talkie, you know, talkies, the little like chip or whatever they are. He like was a huge advertisement behind him that he was going to commit today. So he went and fulfilled his like NLI deal or his NIL NLI deal <laughs> to make a commitment. And then he didn't choose which school he was going to, but he made sure that he sold some talkies while he was talking about it while he went up there. So he made this big show about which school he was going to go to and then didn't choose. But no, I'm pretty significantly out on the uh on the choose the hat on the table see i only like it if if there's trolling going on or something like weird happens uh kevin jones who was running back for uh for virginia tech when he committed he was a penn state commit and he goes to his like you know public thing or whatever wearing a penn state jersey and then took it off and yeah. had a virginia tech right. jersey on which which i think is kind of hilarious or what about the uh the kid who committed to alabama but his mom wanted him to go to lsu i think it was and she thought he was going to announce that he's going to lsu and he says alabama yes. and she just looks furious, furious. yep just furious. Do you remember that, Hatch? Those happen all the time. Well, we infamously had it at KSL uh, with the Nakua's. The Nakua, yeah, it was, it was Puka's In the last time we had a storm like this. I mean, yeah. literally, it was the last time we had a storm this bad. And they were driving into KSL's television studio to broadcast which decision Puka was going to make. And she wanted him to go to Utah. And he ended up going to Washington. And they drove it. And they had to, I mean, we've talked about treading water. Yeah. Treading water on the radio is one thing. Treading water on TV is extraordinarily difficult. So I, he had to drive Hi, in, in a back. snowstorm at like 930 at night to get this announcement. And he chose the school his mom didn't want him to go to. Don't. Now, he ended up back in Salt Lake City or back in Utah and ended up at Provo uh, playing for BYU and was obviously incredible this year. But, you know, there are there are funny stories like that. Yes, the, the parents well, being upset about There's always been going. like outright fraud where parents have forged signatures and said... Utah had a guy like say, that. Didn't the Utah other, have one yeah, of those? Yeah, it was, was a couple it, was years ago. Ole Miss, I think. The, the, a kid, yeah. Well, he signed scholarships to two schools, yeah. Utah and Ole Miss, and then ended up at Last Chance U. You're right. That is exactly what He's happened. The yes. defensive back. He's a defensive but back. One yeah. of the schools, and it might have been Utah, didn't offer him. Like, he signed with with both schools, he but like this, one of the schools never even offered. He just said, yeah, I signed with Ole Miss. <laughs> going there. You did? We should look into that story because that was, that was a weird story. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, kslsports.com, you can, uh, you can track signing day on all the uh, Utah, Utah State, and BYU, and uh, we can keep you up to, da- uh, up to date. What's the initial uh, feedback catch on the, on the recruiting classes for the schools? Uh, you mentioned the offensive lineman, Ben, from USC flipping to Utah. That's kind of been the real big news out there. BYU has pretty much signed everybody that they expected so far. They had a junior college product from Snow College by the name of Keontae Scott, uh, he was considering BYU, ultimately picked Auburn. By the way, the kid's name was DJ Law. DJ Law, that's what it was. Which is an all-time great name. That is a great name. DJ Law ended up having some issues with the law, unfortunately. Poor DJ. But uh, yeah, that was our guy, DJ Law. He he went to East Mississippi Community College and committed to both Utah and (laughs) Ole Miss on National Letter Matente. Well, there you go. This actually says he committed to three schools are, from CBS Sports. Are fax machines still involved, Hatch? Yeah, it's not as prevalent as it once was, but they still use fax machines. I, I've, I've had to go to Kinko's. I no had, one has one at home. I, I haven't seen a fax machine in years. I have this, heard that coaching staffs literally pull them out, out, like, out of mothballs and yeah. put, set them up. Because DocuSign has been a thing for a minute now. I bet you, you Kyle Whittingham uses a fax machine every day. 
every single day. He's got page or two. He knows how to fix it. He knows how to put the ink in. He knows how to do all. He knows how to service it by himself. He knows what all the codes mean. Kyle Whittingham is as good as he is at coaching. He's way better with a fax machine. That guy is a machine when it comes to working that thing. He's a surgeon. Fax me over your scouting report. I'll give it a review. Just fax it over. Don't bother coming to the office. Just, you know, throw it in the old fax machine. I'll be ready for it. But it looks pretty even, right? <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, rankings right now at kslsports.com. Looks like both Utah and BYU both got a couple of four-star kids, Lander Barton and Nate Johnson for Utah. Uh, looking at BYU's recruiting class, uh, and Jake, you can help me out with a couple of these names. No. Cody Hagen. Cody Hagen. Yeah, no, that's Corner an easy one to pronounce. Uh, and then uh, Aisa Moa. Isaiah Moa. Isaiah Moa. Well, that makes sense. Former Ute Ben Moa's son. Yes, yes. And flipped his commitment flipped pretty late in the product. Uh, the one the, thing uh, about BYU on this, Ben, is BYU is tracking, at least right now, to have their highest ranked recruiting class. I know we just talked about recruiting rankings not mattering, but BYU is going to have their highest ranked recruiting class under Kalani Satake today. Very good. You know what's surprising here? A lot of local kids. Feels like way more local kids for both schools than most years. Somebody mentioned that BYU got 10 of the top 20 guys in state this year. That's big time. See, it's interesting you say his highest ranking class of all time because I think Gordon, I believe, wrote a column about this last year. But if you you look at recruiting rankings at BYU over Kalani's tenure, he has done no better than Bronco. Right. He's actually done worse. And you cannot tell me that BYU does not have more talent today than it did Correct. in the last few years of Bronco. They proved that their depth is at a different level than it was Different level. I mean, if they proved anything this year, they proved that because they turned over a really good team to be a really good team. But his recruiting has slipped from where Bronco was. Has it? Has it? But again, okay, so here's a fun thing to go back and look at. Again, well, I just picked a random year. Okay. 2015, I went back and you looked at Utah's recruiting just for some nostalgia, the fun of it. Corey Butler-Bird. We remember Corey Butler-Bird. Yeah, he actually he got good. a cup of coffee in the NFL, right? And he, he did. So he was their top recruit. Darren Paulo, okay. big offensive line recruit. I remember Darren Paulo. C.O.C. Mariner. Jake Grant. I don't remember Jake Grant, a nope. guard. Chris Hart. I do remember Chris Hart. He ended up playing... He was like a, he's kind of like stand up line or a. a, a he was one of those dudes that everybody had really half high, high defensive hopes end, for. half linebacker. Trevor Riley. Yeah, and it didn't work out. Marcel Brown. Don't remember Marcel Brown. Nope. Philip Afia, I remember a little bit. But then, what, this guy must have been number nine was Cody Barton. Still in the NFL. Good pick. Nick Carmen. I remember him as a tackle. Don't remember him playing a whole lot. Kyle Folks. Little bit. I think he ended up moving from wide receiver to secondary. That's kind of Kyle Whittingham's thing. Johnny Capra was a name I remember talking about. Tyson Cicero was a name I remember talking about. Quinn Fabrizio is obviously a name we all remember talking about. And then coming after Caleb Rep, the wide receiver, Britton Covey. Ended up being a pretty good player. Joe Williams right behind Britton Covey. Joe Williams ended up playing in the NFL, right? Yep. As a running back. Yep. <laughs> Got drafted in the third round by your San Francisco 49ers. He also retired in the middle of his yeah. college career and then came back to run for 300 yards. He was, yards yeah, ran for 1,000 yards. He was, he was a transfer, though, right? Yeah, he was. He came from UConn, if memory serves. Oh, man. Danico Carter. Is he ever going to show up at Utah? It's been six years. He hasn't shown up yet. He hasn't <laughs> I been as a wide receiver. He was supposed to be here. Danico Carter is the Walt Williams from BYU. If you guys remember the name Walt Williams from BYU. Walt Whitman? <laughs> never showed up. Allegedly was this high-profile target that has never, ever showed up. And never showed up like in post-college like life ever, either. Hey, this kid uh, recruited or committed to Utah in 2015, James Empey. <laughs> Ended up at BYU. See, in the NFL, he went to the draft, right? He is finishing out his career right now. He actually got injured this year as their starting center. Okay. And we'll see what happens. So we'll throw his name he, in the draft. He possibly could come back for another year, though. He's got another year of eligibility. Oh, really? So. Good for him. That's right. He got hurt early. Well, how about this? Uh, just seeing this from Brett McMurphy. Uh, Deion Sanders flips nation's number one recruit from Florida State to Jackson State. Travis Hunter is going to Jackson State. Hey, Dion wanted to... The number one recruit. The number wow. one recruit in the country. Dion wanted to go there and make a difference. Yeah. Obviously. And got a bunch of money for this kid. And he stole him from the program he played college for. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. yeah, I didn't think about that. Say, wow. Primetime just stole a prospect from Florida State. He's a cornerback. 6'1", 165. He's a perfect recruit, according to uh, some outlets. He's got a .99999 rating, and they don't give out... Uh, 100s. So he's got the highest rating basically ever in college football. 
Going to, to uh, he's the single greatest recruit in college football history. He is. He's the number one rated recruit in college football history, and he's uh, going to Jacksonville State. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson State. Jackson, excuse me, Jackson. Okay, I I would get the appeal to you know go play for Deion Sanders, arguably the the best corner ever, arguably, and uh, yeah, yeah. Except for extraordinarily talented players, often have a tough time coaching because they can't explain why they were so good because they were, you know. The best ever, right? You know, like Kobe probably couldn't Correct. tell the next uh, generation of basketball players, you know, just go out and do this. I did yeah. it all the time. But anyway, that's cool. Good for Dion. Supposed to be the highest recruit literally of all time. He's the best player of all time in high school. That's what they're saying. I bet I bet Bo Jackson was pretty good, actually. <laughs> what what level is uh yeah, right. What level is uh is Jackson State? Is that uh is that F? They're FCS. They're, FCS. They're the former Division One AA. Okay. So, do you think uh, this guy is going to look around at uh, the competition and go, "Boy, there's been a lot written about historically black colleges and universities having a resurgence right now." No, 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 no. Everything. I get it. But you're right. He's going to show up and be like, "Whoa, <laughs> I am a lot better than everybody here." Yeah. Exactly. Oh, excuse me. There are five players who have ever gotten thousand rankings. One point oh oh. Perfect okay. rankings. Jadavion. Jadavion. Which makes sense. Okay. Robert Kimdiche. Which makes sense. Uh, Rashawn Gary, who is still a very good player Gary, in the yes. NFL, uh, went to Michigan. Vince Young, also a, a perfect ranking. And then Ernie Sims, who ended up at Florida State. So, good for this kid. Yeah. It's exciting. Very much so. All right, we'll follow uh, recruiting day. It'll, it'll add up. It's still early. I'll kids are waking be... up. A lot, of these, a lot of these kids are still plowing the, plowing having, the snow. having to plow the snow out of the driveway, and then they'll go and sign their national letter of intent. I'll, uh, I'll try to approach the subject with a little more enthusiasm. I'll see if I can't muster that up. We're going to get into the jazz coming up next. They're back at it tonight on national television. Uh, we also have a pair of tickets to give away to tonight's game coming up next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Cougars finally know where they're going bowling as Kalani Sitaki and BYU is headed to the Independence Bowl. Independence Bowl. The Zone Sports Network will get you ready for kickoff as the Cougars wrap up an incredible season in a battle against UAB. Your home for the best coverage of Cougar football is right here. Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale, and it has been extended through December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of glasses or contacts, get LASIK now and save 1400 bucks. Limited spots available. Act now. Check them out. DavisVisionMD.com or call 801-253-3080. That is Davis Vision. Uh, ben, let's, let's give away some tickets. Anybody want to go to the Clippers game tonight? Yeah, 8 p.m. game. 8 p.m. game. 855-340-Zone, 12th caller right now. And uh, you're going to the game, Jazz Clippers, as Ben mentioned, a little later tonight, 8 o'clock start. And I'm so glad that they moved these late games to 8 o'clock as opposed to 8.30. Although we do have an 8.30 game coming up, don't we? Yep. Yep. Well, it's the Christmas game, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's hope there's a Christmas game. The uh, coronavirus is just sweeping through the NBA. George Niang, actually former Jazz man, the latest uh, player to go into health and safety protocols for Philly. It's just everywhere. And the Jazz have been on the East Coast. You know, like, it feels... You hope not. So far, no one's had it for the Jazz. And you hope everyone can stay healthy. And I know all the Jazz players have their shots and have gotten boosters. Donovan Mitchell was talking about it the other day. For the most part, it seems like everybody's getting them. So hopefully everyone can stay healthy and and be ready to play. And the nice thing is they get to stay here in Salt Lake City for the next two weeks, basically. You know, through the end of Christmas. So... Hopefully everyone can stay here, stay safe, but I suspect we're going to see much more stringent and strict uh, rules coming back in the NBA for who gets to go where, who gets to see each other, whether you get to hang out with people outside of the league. The NFL's having a rough go of it, too. Everyone is. It's just back. You know, it's just sweeping through. And luckily, again, these guys have their shots. Nobody's going to the hospital. Everyone's been able to take care of themselves and be okay for the most part. And a lot of guys actually, it's not like it was last year where if you went in, you were automatically out for 14 days and would miss seven games, it seemed like. Now, if you have negative tests for three or four days, this is just to make sure, hey, if you've been exposed, let's make sure everything's okay. And then once you get enough negative tests, you can come back. Which only makes sense. Correct. Uh, you no, know, and, and be glad that they streamlined the process. I just, I wonder if they do get stricter, if it will really have any impact. Yeah, it might not. I mean, is, is any, you know, will it have any? And I, it felt like this time last year, remember like the Wizards missed 
15 games right. it felt like and you know all these teams in the east or east coast were missing a bunch of games jazz never had to sus- well jazz missed what one game and was with the wizards Yes. Because they had to come yes. and get made up here. I think that was the only game the Jazz ended up missing. I think you're right. So it seems to certainly be hammering the East Coast, though a bunch of players in the Lakers have it now, too. So, Well, Ben, you know, long time ago, we, when we were first talking about this stuff, uh, I said flexibility is going to be the name of the game. And it still is, apparently, which is interesting because we all thought it was going to be, yeah, oh, here and gone, Ben, it'll be over. We'll yeah. get, you know, but it's not. And you just got to be flexible. I, I thought you hit the nail on the head uh, when we were talking about this what, uh, on Monday. Or, you know what? If you've got to postpone, cancel, or whatever, just do it. Yeah. We've done it before. We've, you're going to figure out a way. Yeah. And if you need to make up the game, you can find a way to make up the game. You know, last year, the Jazz Wizards, they had to make up the game because they had to get to the certain threshold. 70 or whatever. They had to yeah, get the to, Wizards needed yeah, to get right. there. The Jazz didn't. But so the Wizards did. determine if you need to make up the game. And if you don't, you know, say, hey. We're, we're gonna, winning percentages. Yeah, right. And and be flexible and just move on. I mean, if the, if there's anything that the bubble proved is that the NBA can be pretty flexible yeah. when uh, uh, confronted with extreme circumstances. And, and in this case, I don't even think it's all that extreme. They're having a, a, a wave of it, which... You know, if we've learned everything, anything in the last couple of years, is the waves come. Yeah, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, and yep. put your head down and hope everybody yep. uh, handles it uh, the best way possible. But I, I don't know if the players, honestly, Ben, and I don't know what would go into this uh, from a collective bargaining standpoint. But I don't know if the players are going to go back into what they had to deal with last year. I, players have been very vocal about how horrible that was. Yeah, and. I don't know. I don't know if they'd agree to do that. To be honest, no, I don't think they'll go back to as strict as it was last year. I think they will understand if there's a couple of more things they right. have to do or be a little bit more careful. And and you know, the players don't want to get sick. The players want to be out there. They want to be playing. They don't want to be missing games. They certainly don't want games to be suspended either. So I suspect you know it'll take a little bit of working room. I you know I, I feel I I can't confirm it, but I think there was a big call between the league and all the players a couple of days ago because everyone kind of got pulled from practice. It was like, hey, this is a league thing. Everyone's doing. I suspect there was kind of a gathering of just saying like, this is how we're proceeding this is what we'd like you guys to do you know just be extra vigilant be extra careful which honestly has been uh donovan mitchell talked about it uh, in a post game a couple of games ago ben that uh, it's honestly kind of been the jazz attitude from the start and that they're gonna you know be diligent uh, there's a good word that you use there you know disciplined and yep. try not to unnecessarily jeopardize games or the season or whatever because it seems like they, I mean, they were 100% vaxxed from the very beginning. I mean, they, they appear to have the mindset that they're going to do what they got to do, probably because they think they have a pretty good team and don't want to blow it, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, we'll see. I, I mean, this will – I would say jazz fans out there prepare at some point during the season. Wave might come over the team. Yep. might happen. It might be the whole league. Yep. Honestly, I, I would bet that it's more likely that the whole league decides to take a week or two off than it is you know the jazz necessarily get hit specifically hard, where they just say like – we need everyone to get better. We need everyone to stay away from each other. Clearly, they're spreading it to one another, and maybe they just shut it down for eight to ten days just to give everyone enough time to clear out, not be around one another. You come back. You have two or three days of practice to get back, and, and you come back, and you try and hit the 75 mark or 70-game mark that you have to to finish the season. Right. But you give everyone this X amount of days off to make sure there's not this huge gap in games where the Jazz have played 82 games and the Clippers have played 70, and you say, well, Clippers just got extra rest. That's yeah. just you know that's just how it worked out. So. If it comes to that which i hope it doesn't but it might yeah i mean it it might and the nba has been more proactive when it comes to their measures that they're going to do yeah. but i just hope it's not necessary no I, I i hope so too and and i hope we're able to watch all these games and enjoy the games and again tonight you want to go to the game we think we just gave away some tickets so that's a that's a great opportunity to come down and check them out and it should be fun the clippers are good clippers are coming off their best win of the season over the phoenix suns who uh, went to overtime last night they needed to beat the portland trailblazers now devin booker hasn't been playing but paul george didn't play in that win right. uh, 3 nights ago either He's still questionable tonight, I think. And he's questionable tonight, as is Nicholas Batum. Uh, I've seen some video today of Batum. Actually, I think he might be here uh, already in the in the gym working out behind us. So I think he's trying to get back on the floor. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Paul George is as well. But uh, the only thing we've seen is that for the Jazz is that we know Yudoka Azabuki's not playing. He's got the ankle injury, and then Jared Butler uh, is listed as out tonight too with the with some knee soreness. So the Jazz should be at full strength. And I expect the Jazz to play well, rested. Uh, sometimes coming home from a road trip isn't the easiest thing, and uh, certainly the Clippers are. I'm with you, formidable. Uh, but I expect I expect them to keep the momentum rolling. 
I think I think the the change that we've seen in the jazz has totally been uh, a mental thing. Yep. Ben, and maybe you can make the argument that oh, they've been making more shots, which I love. The make or miss yeah. league argument is my favorite, uh, but I think it's been a mentality change. The way they they play has changed, and that is um, that's not just getting hot, in my opinion, which is a lot more difficult to disrupt. I think as long as they come out and play jazz basketball, what Quinn Snyder describes as jazz basketball. They should win. I think they're. I, I'd pick them in most games if that's the way that they're going to play. They had a ton of momentum on this road trip, which was kind of surprising. It picked up. You know, they beat New Orleans and Portland and Boston here in Utah. And I didn't think, other than maybe the Portland game, I didn't think they actually looked fabulous. I mean, New Orleans on the second night of a back-to-back after losing to them the night before, that was basically a guaranteed win. You knew that they weren't going to come out and lose twice to that team. They beat Portland. Portland wasn't very good. They beat Boston. Remember, they jumped up by 20 in the first half and then yep. gave it all back and needed some late buckets to end up closing that out and gave up 130 points. It really wasn't a great performance. But that win in Cleveland midday on a Sunday gave him some major momentum, crushed Minnesota in the second half, and then crushed Philly and Washington in the second half as well. I guess your hope is that the urgency that they felt in those games, you hope that that hasn't gone away, being back in Salt Lake City, sleeping in your own bed for three days, and then you're going up against a team in the Clippers that did just get momentum, like I said, because they beat Phoenix and feels like they're coming out to prove something and, and you know prove that the playoffs weren't a fluke. Well, we'll see a rematch of the playoffs uh, tonight, Ben. And the Clippers are a different team. I don't. I don't. Can the Clippers win it all without Kawhi? No, right? Not even close. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Why didn't they make more changes in the off season? Are they just punting on the season? I do think Paul George's in, or excuse me, Kawhi's injury put them in a really tough spot. And again, it's the one thing we talked about yesterday that is really a good thing for the NBA and probably needs to be applauded more. Is that the salary cap works? There's some sports where the salary cap doesn't seem to do a whole lot. The salary cap works in the NBA. It's really hard to stay good for a long time when you've invested guy in two guys who are on supermax contracts like Kawhi Leonard, who re-signed in the offseason. That was their top priority. And Paul George, who's on a $40 million deal as well. That's just $80 million of your $120 million you can spend. And you've still got 10 to 13 guys you've got to add to your roster, or 11 to 13 guys you have to fill out your roster with $40 million bucks. You make You make a great point, Ben, because there is no super team right now. No, there's truly not. There's there's no super team. The NBA is as wide open yeah. as maybe it's ever been. Brooklyn's super talented, but it's not perfect. And they're not proven? No, at all. No, they lost last year. And I know Kyrie was hurt, but Kyrie's not with them again this year. Right. Kevin Durant's old. James Harden's not what James Harden was in his MVP season. Still great, but he's not that guy that he was a couple of and years ago. I'm still not convinced that they can guard. So, I mean, they're they're certainly not a super team. Maybe some people, I guess, as, yeah. as you say, would say that. But I don't feel like they are. And, you know, the the last super team that we saw really was the, was the Warriors with Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. And, Kevin, to your point about the salary cap working, it had to be a fluke in the salary cap where they got the 15% bump Perfect because of the timing. TV deal. Perfect timing. And Kevin did take less. And was a free agent. And was a free like if agent. he wasn't a free agent, they couldn't have even done that that right. year. Right. I mean, it was almost like a fluke that Everything that was even had to work out. able to happen. Yes. So I think you make a, a interesting point. And do teams alter what they do going forward? Who who's going to be the first team to say, "All right, we don't want two super max players or two max players. We're going to take one, and then we're going to fill out the roster yeah. with better players." And when will that work, if it ever does? And I think we've all tried to figure out, like, why did Phoenix make the finals? Why did Milwaukee make the finals? Why were the Jazz so good last year? Like, why are these small market teams having this success now? And it's not like this never happened. San Antonio won a bunch of championships. But I think a lot of it is the the CBA. I think a lot of it is is even the playing field in a good way that's enjoyable. Because people are always going to watch the Lakers. People are always going to watch the stars who want to go live in these major cities. But it is giving these other teams that build the right way and spend wisely... Uh, an opportunity to compete. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. Big announcement came the other day that Kalani will be signed through 2027. You played for Utah all those years, and then you're down at BYU. What type of differences did you see in terms of the support for the programs? It was about the same, honestly. The administration from both sides took care of the players and the team and the coaching staff really well, I think. And I think it was really time for Tom Homa and the administration to take care of Kalani and his staff, but it's time to pay that man for everything he's done and what 
great plans for Green for the future. And I don't think you could get any two better coaches in the state for those two programs. Both of them run the program their ways, but they make it work. They dominate in every aspect of the game and in life, and they help you grow in every way. And it's perfect for Kalani and his staff to stay here and keep building BYU football. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about the Ford Fan Zone. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dog, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 a ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Ben, I just wanted to take a moment uh, real quick uh, on kind of a sad note. Our Zone listener family uh, lost a member, uh, a, a dedicated listener to the, the station and the show, and a dear family friend of ours. Her name is Susan Mickelson. She passed uh, uh, last week. I grew up with her boys, Ben, Alan, and Matt, who are, who are two terrific, terrific people and, uh, and just wonderful and did so right by their mom, took care of their mom. Um, Toward the end here, Ben, I don't know if you've ever taken care of a, a family member in in decline, but it is it is real something, and yep. they were they were awesome by their mom, and so uh, just wanted to give her a, a special shout out because she's uh, Utah's biggest sports fan. I say the state. She loved jazz. She uh, she loved it all, and listened to the zone all the time. And uh, just wanted to uh, to give her a shout out and say she will be missed. So. Certainly appreciate. Uh, I mean, all of our listeners, but you know you. You know, you get to reach people at unique times in their lives and hard times in their lives, and hopefully we can help. We appreciate the time that everyone gives us out of their yep. day and carves out. It really does mean a ton. You know, I've, I've said this before. We, it's kind of your most valuable asset as you have is your time and you know where you uh, dedicate your attention to. So very nice. Yeah, very nice and, to uh, do that and uh, appreciate her family. I, I was very fortunate growing up to have, you know, they say it takes a village uh, to have a, a support system, you know, neighborhood, that sort of thing, and, and she was a big part of that. So uh, kind of kind of sad around uh, my home neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, speaking of, uh, of kind of sad, uh, have you ever complimented somebody and, and, or, and, and their response is an insult? Yes. Have you? Like, <laughs> like, hey, those are some nice shoes you're wearing to be responded by. Yeah, you're ugly. You know, anything like that? I mean, maybe not that direct. Usually it's a more of a, an accidental, you know, you congratulate someone on their pregnancy and they say like, oh, it looks like you're pregnant as well. I mean, they're not saying it to me necessarily, no. but yes, it's like, have no, you, actually have you not. done that one? Uh, we had one with my uncle, oh, rest his soul, uh, <laughs> thought my wife was pregnant oh. at Thanksgiving, I think, and uh, was not, in fact. Oh. I mean, she was like, she had had a baby like seven months ago. So like, you know, you no, just look like you yeah, still yeah. had a baby. It's like, well, Dave, we haven't turned around that quickly. <laughs> so... Anyway, pass the gravy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, how about this? Skip Bayless tweets out yesterday, Ben. The best player on the planet was at it again tonight in Brooklyn going assassin in overtime for the COVID rock nets. Nothing like Kevin Durant. You watch, Braun? And then uh, Kevin Durant himself retweeted Skipper there and said, I really don't like you. That was uh, an amazing tweet. I think I think Kevin Durant's sensitivity online is is weird. But in this case, I think that's hilarious. Hilarious. Because nobody likes Skip Bayless. No. No, that's his thing. He's a heel. His whole shtick is that he's the heel, and he knows it. Now, some of it is real. Some of it, he just seems to be an unlikable person. you know. And the people who get to know him closely certainly don't seem to like him either, like all these players who get to be around him. And they do like some of these other guys. You know, There are media members that are well-liked by some of the top players in the world. But yes, yeah, Skip Bayless, on, of all nights... Which the entire league was just talking about Steph Curry last night. Yeah. To make it about Kevin Durant beating an absolutely horrendous Toronto Raptors team in overtime. And yes, he became the first player in Nets history to have a 50-point game followed up by a triple-double. Like, who cares? Nobody cares at all. So for Skip to feel like that's his angle. To be like, I'm going I'm to be on, on KD's good side yeah. over Braun. Which is like... Who's hating Braun at this point for what he's done on the floor? You can think he's corny off the floor... All he's done is won four championships. He went to nine straight yeah. finals appearances. Right. Like, there's nothing he could ever prove to anyone that he's not either the greatest or the second greatest player of all time. And he's, you know what? LeBron's gotten better too throughout his career, and he's so, still great. Uh, right? Obviously, he's put in the work. He's stayed healthy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I find LeBron 
incredibly obnoxious. Yeah. But yeah, you can't argue with his results. And that's certainly. the stupid way to. If you want to say like, oh, look at what this person's doing off the floor, and even then, like LeBron's worst thing that he's ever done is open to school for a bunch of kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's why the the most strong word I can use is obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's right. corny. Yeah, right. He's super corny. He's not a cool guy. His Instagram post where he picked up the goggles and put them on the other day. Did you see that? No. It was. I think they were playing the Suns. I could go back and look it up. And one of the players who wears goggles got hit in the face with the ball and the glasses popped out of his goggles and LeBron put them on and then posted to his Instagram story like, how silly am I? I'm just the craziest guy. And it was like, LeBron, you put somebody's goggles on. Like it wasn't that crazy of a thing, but it was like the obnoxious post of somebody who's never done anything fun in their lives. It's like, I'm zany. I'm wacky. (laughs) It's like, you're not that wacky, LeBron. But if that's the biggest fault we have Honestly, with LeBron yeah, James. Like, that's there's a probably lot, pretty great. There's a lot of obnoxious people in this Every world. Every league would take that obnoxious guy as their leader versus you know somebody who's getting in trouble off the floor. So Skip Bayless, yes, trying to... Uh but he called, to make this about. He, he called Durant the best player in the in the world, only to get like, I really don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> trying to saddle up to you. Hey, can I ask you a question? Speaking yes. of the NBA and the big picture, we already mentioned a little bit. Steph Curry breaking the all-time three-point record. Big deal or not a big deal? Not a big deal. I'm with you. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. I I get it was an opportunity to celebrate Steph. I think Steph absolutely deserves to be celebrated. Uh, We look at guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant and some of these guys we have celebrated historically. And it's not like we haven't with Steph. He's on TV every single week, you know. But I, I think that's what our that's what last night was about. And he was in the garden and it's, you know, basketball mecca, even though the Knicks are terrible again this year. But, like, passing Ray Allen for threes made, like, Donovan Mitchell's going to double up Ray Allen, it feels like. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's on pace to beat Steph Curry. He'll get there quicker than Steph Curry got there. It is more celebrating the era than it is anything that Steph Curry is necessarily. Now, he's significant in changing the league that we go to the three-point shot, but we were trending in that direction. And, in fact, we were trending in that direction because of Ray Allen, (laughs) because of what he did with those Seattle teams late when they were starting Richard Lewis at power forward, and everyone thought, this is the smallest person I've ever seen starting at that position. That progress was already starting to be made. So I I was a little... It felt a little created last night. This hype that has been going around the game in Indiana where they was trying to break it and they lost and then beating it last night in New York, that they generated this excitement about him breaking the three-point record. I thought a little – it was a little manufactured. It was a little fake. It did not seem like a huge deal to me. It was a lot manufactured. Yeah. I guess it wasn't fake because it actually happened. But maybe the enthusiasm for it certainly was but like, fake. But, but no, here's where I'll agree with you, uh, Ben. I think you're, you're totally right. The, the game has changed. Uh, you know how many threes Steph attempts a game? Yeah, it's crazy. It's 13 like, and a half. Yeah, crazy. 13 and a half threes. If Ray Allen himself had taken 13 and a half threes a game, how many would he have made in his oh, career? Oh, yeah, you easily know, just it, as many. It's the, you know, the the comp in the NFL is passing yards. Correct. Yeah, right. If who currently, I guess Tom Brady is currently the passing yards guy, but I remember when Drew Brees passed, you know, ended up and everybody was celebrating him. It's like, yeah, Drew Brees is great, but like I mean, is he better than Dan Marino? Right. Or did they play at a different time? Right. Uh, career high for Ray Allen, 8.43s a game, which is nothing to shake a stick at. Right. But Rudy Gay takes five off the bench in 19 minutes. He yeah. takes five a game in 19 minutes, and he's a bad three-point shooter. This year he's great, but historically the knock on Rudy Gay is that he's not a great three-point shooter. And to go back to your point on that, Reggie Miller, who was calling the game last yes. night, in his era, the average per game per team was five. Right. right. Yes. If Rudiger's taking one in five and 19 minutes, that shows you how revolutionary this has become. Donovan Mitchell had, I think it was, he had more threes in one game than the Jazz had in one of their finals appearances. You know, in one game. So, yes, the era has changed. So I'd not, it's like celebrating the best offensive ranking of all time. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Everyone's going to have the best offensive ranking. Right. It's going to continue to change. And we will peak. You know, we will we will plateau at some point. We're not close right now. And Steph probably will, by the end of his career, have the record by 1,500 threes. And maybe that becomes unbreakable. And that sets a new mark. But passing Ray Allen right now doesn't feel like a big deal to me. So if Steph takes five more threes a game than Ray Allen, that doesn't seem like that much. Except for you add that up in a whole season. That's 410 threes a season. Right. I mean, it adds up. It adds up really quickly. Really yeah. quickly. So yeah. yeah, I don't. It doesn't really. Listen, if you're breaking a record in the middle of your career, 
that's not supposed to happen. It's right. why it's why baseball records are so celebrated and should be because a home run hasn't changed that much over the years. Correct. Right. You, know, you still got to hit the ball four hundred feet. Right. The, off of a guy throwing the ball ninety miles an hour. The strategy of the game of baseball. I know they made a movie about Moneyball, but that's not actually about how the game is played as much as how a roster was constructed. And it was a little bit to, to increase, increase pitch counts and those sorts of things. But honestly, the game itself, 3,000 hits is still 3,000 hits, right? I mean, the home run record is artificial, but that's not because the game changed. It's because uh, Barry Bonds chose to start right. putting needles in his arm, right? right? But those those records are more easy to compare eras in in football and basketball forget about it completely different game now lebron's gonna pass carl malone he's 1200 points behind carl uh for number two on the all-times points list he's 3000 behind kareem to get there i'm looking at his totals right now he gets about 16 over his last few seasons because he doesn't play 82 games anymore uh he's getting about 1600 points a season so he's about two years Two and a half seasons away from passing Kareem, and that's a huge deal. That will be a huge that's deal. A huge I deal. totally passing, agree with that. Passing Carl is a big deal. Passing Kareem is going to be an absolutely enormous deal. I love that we are seeing LeBron play twenty years, Carmelo play twenty years, Rudy Gay play sixteen. All those guys we've talked about already. Chris Paul is going to be at eighteen or nineteen seasons. I love that because you could no longer say the only reason John Stockton has his records is because of longevity. Yeah, great that's point. certainly part of it. But guys, we have better health systems now. Like we're taking care of players way better than we ever did before. So we're going to get back to this point of appreciating Stockton's records and steals and assists because there are way more guys that are playing 17 and 18 seasons than there used to be. Or at least right. the top players are able to get there and aren't going to pass it. Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of big records that are still going to be broken. But LeBron the- being the all-time scoring is going to be a phenomenal celebration and worth worth celebrating because it's such a big deal and may never get touched again. But to bring this full circle, what Steph did last night was a yeah, it was a deal. It but was it's not correct. It's not it's not passing Kareem or no. passing Stockton assists no. or no. or steals or yeah, Wilton rebounds. Sorts. I think yeah. he leads in rebounds. I honestly don't know. But you got to look for a reason to celebrate, to bring attention to the game, Ben. And and Steph will be a Hall of Famer. Already is one. So. Yeah. Will Chamberlain is the all-time rebound leader. 24,000. Stay tuned. We'll get to uh, more coming up next. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.